Well, my son was up here crying and I was choked up. Thanks, son. I love you too. I love the way God designed family. That's how it's supposed to be, amen? I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. And when we do it God's way, it, it works out. Now, that doesn't mean there's bumps in the road, but uh, anyway, I should appreciate that. Thanks. All right. I also want to say, too, I'm, I'm very excited about today. The men's meeting uh, is exciting. Some of the new directions that we're looking at. Uh, but I have to tell you, again, I love this family here. I love this group of men and women, these families that have come together. And, uh, you know, we've gone through some bumps, some pretty severe, severe bumps, actually, <laughs> where uh, you were a, a road bump and I ran you over and, and uh, I was a road bump and you ran me over. But we still love each other. We're still decided, you know what, uh, being together as one, as a family in Christ is so much better than trying to do the same. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about the men's meeting today. There are, there are years past where... You know, I wasn't so excited, and what my expectation was actually came true. And, uh, yeah, yeah, 2000s-something. And, and uh, uh, you know, and sometimes I was going in there, it was just really exciting, and all of a sudden, we're going way over there in the weeds, but uh, now I know there's there's real love here. There's real a real understanding. You know, like you were saying, I really appreciate it. We've learned to be gracious with each other when there's a difference of understanding or opinion. And I, that's powerful, because then we can come to working together uh, for the truth. And so, man, I just love this family. So appreciative of it. And so, anyway, uh, moving on, we got some words of encouragement. Encouragement. Rachel, we are so thankful for you and offer you a hearty welcome to Team Jesus. So let's give it up for Rachel. That was awesome. It was awesome. I should say I'm also thankful for the, the hot tub over at the Parks Place, too. <laughs> it's, it's a lot nicer than probably going down to Dexter Lake, right? <laughs> it, was, it was a rugged, rainy, cold day. So anyway. All right. I know this guy. Bill Compton, your help was, is so greatly appreciated through all the trials to get to the task. <laughs> this is from Ken, obviously. Love you, brother. All right. And uh, you don't have to give it up for me. You just want to give it to my wife. Uh, my son was saying he learned some lessons yesterday. Did any of you hear my Wednesday night uh, Wednesday Bible study? I mean, if you haven't heard it, I'd encourage you to do it because I was such in awe of this passage of Scripture. I've read it many times before, but all of a sudden I read it thinking. Have you ever, that sounds terrible, but you ever do that? You read, yeah, I got it done, man. It's great. And you missed really the point. Well, I mean, it's like I was awake and thinking, and I went, oh. So I, I said, my lesson I had planned, I'm scrapping. I got to preach on this. Well, it was basically this. Jehoshaphat, when trouble came, he immediately turned to God. He didn't try to solve the problem himself. So yesterday when my truck overheats, I'm driving down the road, I see some steam, it's like, ah, it's like way in like burning my engine up, pull over real quick, and uh, you know, I says, oh no, what do I do? I call Jake, Jake comes, Jake comes, and I, I had locked my door because, I don't know, when you're along I-5 there in the Eugene Springfield area, do you realize there's more than just traffic going mocked with a hair on fire? There's kind of interesting individuals. 
I mean, like, really. I mean, they're crossing I-5 all the time. Like, I won't say. But anyway, so I locked my truck door. So my truck, when you open it and it's been locked, it doesn't automatically unlock like new cars. And I'd taken my keys out, you know, and put them there, and I got out and go to see my son, and I close the door, and I go, oh, no. <laughs> so not only is my car, my truck stuck, the keys were stuck, and I'm going, now what do we do? Now what do we do? Did you hear the problem with that statement? Now what do we do? And then I ask, I go, Jake, guess what? And his happiness kind of, that he came with, you know, kind of increased. And, uh, right? <laughs> so I go, okay, so who do we know that knows locksmith? Right? I should have called you, Eric. You know all things about it. No? Okay. So anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> so really quickly, because i got to get my sermon done at some point in time. So I go, okay, let's just open this up and pick the first one on the list. We're solving the problem. And the first guy on the list was like, where are you? Jake had to tell him three times. He still didn't know where we were. Three times. And he still didn't know where we were. And then he goes, we need your credit card number. I'm thinking, you haven't even showed up yet. You haven't even done anything. You want my credit card number? You don't know where I am, and you want my credit card number. I went, no. And I go, you know, we should pray. Right? And we prayed. And the scripture says that the lot cast is selected by the Lord to what? To identify the mind. So we just went, this one. We hit that one. And guess what? He came sooner than he promised. And we only paid 50% of what the guy who wanted my credit card wanted to charge us. Thank you, Lord. Now, why did I spend, I'm probably a good 15 minutes. We're going, ah. Well, I could have just prayed, picked the one. He would have been there 15 minutes, actually about 25 minutes soon. So I learned a lesson. Listen to the preacher on Wednesday night, especially when you're the preacher. How's that? All right, here we go. Eric, the power of your messages in this month's adult Bible class has been absolutely awesome. The teaching style and methodology used is also powerful. Thank you. Let's give it up for Eric. And, and if you haven't been able to listen to Eric's uh, uh, messages, I really encourage you to. By the way, I got online. I was looking this morning. I got a lot of shout-outs. And there, there were two shout-outs immediately today for your lesson. So that's cool, man. It's exciting. Tanya V, praising God for your example of true joy in the face of physical difficulties and trusting both problems and results to God. Let's give it up for Tanya. Okay, sharing your lovely spirit and kind heart brighten my day whenever you cross my mind, even more so when I get to see your oh, sweet smile and beautiful presence in person. And I'm going to add, usually at Winco, but also Monday night. So there we go. Awesome. <laughs> Am I right? Was I going to get it right? Okay. All right, so, Ken, this one's back at you. Ken, I'm so thankful for your love and consideration in helping saints uh, that need a listening ear, a kind, encouraging word, or help around their homestead. Love you, brother. All right, there you go. So, 
Anyway, so now we can jump right in, unless there's someone we need to sing to for happy birthday. I got a birthday coming up this week. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I have all these announcements I should have read. Men's meeting today right after assembly. Monday night is on. Ladies study? Off or on this Thursday? Uh, off. Off, okay. Off. I should, have, I should have trusted this map. There's calendars out there to map your life out for February. And finally, Oregon Family Camp registration due next, by next Wednesday, the 7th. Next Wednesday, the 7th. And I need pictures ASAP. Oh, yes, absolutely. Please, please, please. Find the craziest, coolest pictures of... You got a smirk on your face. Why do you have a smirk on your face, Jeff? I'm a little nervous now. Usually it's, it's Kurt that needs to be nervous. Anyway, uh, pictures that you have of, of the Pleasant Hill family, please uh, uh, share them if you would. That would be great. Email them or you can even go face-to-face -face thumb drive. Email is on the calendar. Email is on the calendar. There it is, right there. It's on, see, it's a roadmap for your life for February. Okay, good. Now we can pray. Father, lead us today as we would work through your word. Father, the ultimate standard for love, the love of a son or daughter of God. Help us to understand that, that ultimate standard. Now, we know, of course, it's your son, Jesus Christ, but in so many ways we see Jesus manifesting love, but... There is one that sets him apart from all others, and we want to follow in his footsteps. And so I ask you to help us with this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's grab our Bibles and turn to that famous passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And if you haven't in, in memorized this one, I really encourage you to do so. Such an amazing passage of Scripture. Notice it says here, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. There's so much in that passage that I haven't touched yet. And one of these days we're going to have a love theme for the year, but not this coming year. And then I want you to turn to uh, the First Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy 1, and um, verse 5, and many of you have this memorized because we this was a theme for one of our years, uh, one of our uh, annual themes. In verse 5 it says, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. All right, let's jump right in. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says. Do you remember what the old and the greatest commandment was found in the Old Testament? We all know that one, right? The Lord God is one. And you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you know I've talked about this before. Jesus, when he says a new commandment, it's basically a upgrade to the second part of that first commandment. You see, the first commandment, we should absolutely love the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But to love our neighbor as ourselves, there's a loophole in that, as you well know. Because how many have ever noticed that oftentimes 
People like to bring hate down on other people because they don't like themselves. How many know what I'm talking about? That, that, is, that is a truth that all of us probably have experienced, hopefully coming at you rather than you demonstrating it in living color, hopefully. But it's interesting. Jesus closes up the gap. Take a look with me there in the Gospel of John and, and chapter 13. And it should be 34 and 35. I forgot the next verse. So, the Gospel of John in chapter 13, a new commandment I, I give to you. And this is not the ultimate standard, but it's really close, and it's a great way to start the Gospel of John in chapter 13 and uh, verse 34 and 35. Or, let's see. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, it's rather interesting. He's talking about love of the brethren. The love of the brethren. We need to love one another. In fact, the scripture says in the book of Romans that we need to give preferential honor to one another. In other words, we should be trying to outdo one another in loving one another. Now, how many of you know the truth of this statement? Children learn what you live. Children learn what you live. So mom and dads, that should make you quake in your boots and help you to boot. Right? Children learn what you live. And you know every time I do that, I have to say the example. You say 20 wonderful, encouraging words, and you only say one that's off color. And what's the only one that that little one will repeat? Right? The one that's a little off color. Do they repeat the encouraging ones? And not usually. So my point is this, is children learn what we live. Now it's interesting that as parents, we need to be invested in and intentional in you know, building their little hearts, their little moral warehouses. And so they do the right thing consistently as they grow up and become adults. See? And so, you know, it's, it's a safer place to learn how to love one another sacrificially in the, the comfort and the quietness and the peace and the security of family love. Do you agree with that? I mean, you can make mistakes and the family's never going to leave you or forsake you, or at least the vast majority won't. They'll put up with you and some will even go as far as to help you overcome that. But it's beautiful to learn how to love sacrificially in the body of Christ because this is a stepping stone to the ultimate standard the divine standard for love. Again, we've talked about walking in love like Jesus. Go back there really quickly to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. I just want to make a couple additional comments that really I've never seen before, but all of a sudden I saw them. It's, it's really awesome when you know that your eternal life and the lives of others around you depend on you understanding the scriptures and applying it in a practical way. Again, I am so thankful for Eric because he did a great job in taking scriptural truth and biblical uh, scriptural statements, but he built it so practically that when he was making practical statements on the application of trust and building trust, you all experienced it. And I know your heads were bobbing like my head was bobbing. See? It's beautiful. And so... 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's a nebulous kind of a general statement. And then he says, and here's how you can be imitators of God. Boom! Look to Jesus who sacrificed himself and walk as he walked. Did you get that? You want to be imitators of God? Then you need to look to Jesus who is, or I should say was, God in the flesh. God manifesting his perfection in a human body. So when it says be imitators of God, oh, I've never seen God before. I've never heard him. I've never smelled him. I've never, I don't know. Boom, Jesus comes on the screen and he lived the life of God and God was in his body and God was manifest. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. I didn't say anything on my own initiative. I didn't do anything on my own initiative. That's Jesus actually saying that. So when you heard Jesus, and when you saw Jesus, you were seeing God. And you were seeing God's love. So, brethren, it's important for us that as was shared earlier, we need to focus on the life of Jesus Christ as manifest in the New Testament. And it's also confirmed by way of prophecy in the Old Testament. So this love of the brethren is amazing. But notice, we need to follow Christ's example of love if we're going to get it straight. An offering and a sacrifice. Here's the question. An offering and sacrifice only for those who loved him? It's easy to love one another. And as we've been growing our faith, it's become easier and easier and much more enjoyable. But if we're going to follow Jesus' footsteps, is it just love those who love you? Love those who are growing in faith and have understood what it means to sacrifice themselves for others? Is that, is that the ultimate? No. Do we learn that kind of love in the security of people who are growing their faith and are willing to be gracious as you grow in your understanding of how to sacrifice for others in this, what was called this morning, Team Jesus, or the family of God, or the body of Christ. See, the last step in this, the last step in this is the most difficult, and yet I believe in the future, I don't know when in the future, but we should start practicing it now. So love for those who hate us. A love for those who want to marginalize us. I'm using a, a more current word so you can understand really what's going on. Well, let's turn to point number two. Point number two. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter five. Matthew five, the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, as he is... Uh, communicating, really uh, upgrading the whole concept of, of love. And he's not changing it. He's giving us a better understanding of what the fullness of the love of Christ is for us. And uh, I must confess, this has been a painful lesson for me to study and then to think about some folks in my life that have done some really evil, awful, horrible things to me, and then for me to go, okay, 
just going to love on them and, and, you know, pour a blessing out on them and whatnot. I'm saying, been honest. But let's take a look. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 following. You've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Let me, let me just make sure we understand this love thing. But I say to you, sacrifice yourself for your enemy's good and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Verse 45, so that. See that two little words there, so that? You know what it means? Do you really want to be seen by God as one of his children? Well, you need to put Christ on. And here's where, here's where the rubber meets the road. It's easy, it's easy to love those who love you. Uh, it's not so easy to love those who hate you and want to or have hurt you. Well, let's read on. What does it say? It says, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Tax, tax collectors love other tax collectors because they can talk about and share best practices to fleece the flock even more. Oh, I'm sorry. I added to the scriptures. But isn't that unfortunately how people think? No? Well, but reading on, reading on, okay? So he says, uh, uh, verse 47, um, or verse 46, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? See, that's where that love one another, even as I have loved you, that's absolutely correct, absolutely right on. We should give preference to one another, in the family of God. But there's one more step. One more step. And this is a step I've never ventured to take in my past years of speaking about the love of God. Do you remember any sermon like this? I know you did it because I went back and looked. Oops. I don't know if I missed it because I missed it or I missed it because I didn't want to bring it up. Because when you talk it, and it's there in the standard, well then guess what? Just like my sermon on Wednesday, mm, we got to live it. This is, this is that, that next, last, ultimate step. Therefore, if you are, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This one more step of maturity. That word perfect there can be translated complete or mature. And so, I need to look within myself. And I pray that you'll do the same for yourself. How am I going to operate when there are people who are overtly, covertly, trying to destroy me? You think the devil wants to destroy you? Yes or no? Well, that's an obvious, that's a no-brainer. Why did you even ask that one? But think about it for just a minute. You know the devil's going to use people. He's going to use circumstances. Yes, that's true. But more often than not, I think he's going to use people 
to, to ratchet you down. And so, I don't want to come up short. So the sermon is a little nervous, has made me a little nervous. Just being honest and open about where my thinking process is. Because of how I've responded in the past has not been this way. And I might have opportunities in the future. And I need to build in myself responding in this way. I need to be shrewd as a serpent. Innocent as a dove, though, right? What does it say? That we need to love from a pure heart, right? So anyway, I, let's, let's build on this just a little bit. But I say to you, Jesus says to you, you need to love your enemy and pray for them. Well, can we think of any times where Jesus actually demonstrated that? Can someone, and I'm going to open it up to, to the brethren here. Can someone give me, and you don't have to have book, chapter, and verse, just describe it. Can you share with me sometimes where Jesus overtly loved someone who was his enemy, who wanted to destroy him. Just raise your hand, and, or you don't have to raise your hand, just blurt it out, go ahead. We saw this morning, Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot. Called him friend. Called him friend. Loved him to the end. And yet he continued to choose self over God. But did Jesus die for Judas? Absolutely. Absolutely he died for Judas. Okay. He's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And I've always contended that the Roman soldiers were doing what they did best, but they had no clue that they were uh, pawns of the devil. And I honestly think that the Jewish leadership really didn't fully understand that they were pawns of the devil. So uh, do people today know they're pawns of the devil when they try to destroy the church? No, I don't think they do. So that's a powerful mindset that we need to place ourselves into. What are some other ones? Were he overtly? Go ahead. Yes, yes. You stole my next statement. But great job, Tamara. Woo Good job. You know, I'm not mad. I'm glad. See? It's amazing. You know, the foremost of all sinners. And guess what? God so loved him through Jesus. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a terrible one, actually. You'd think that guy would go, okay, man, this Jesus asked me, and he, and he goes and he tells them, tells the Pharisees what they wanted to know, so now they could come and get Jesus. Man, wow, that's painful. But notice, Jesus loved him anyway and continued to love that guy. What else? There's, there's a whole bunch of them. What, one or two more. Go ahead. Simon, uh, and he's ah, this guy knew what kind of woman that was. He wouldn't be messing with her. Yeah, you know? Simon the Pharisee, right? You know? Uh -huh. It was all about, yeah, it wasn't about Jesus. It wasn't about, it was about himself. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. Any others? What about those hard-headed guys that drugged that woman caught in the act of adultery? Did he love them and did he give them a second chance? 
Oh my goodness gracious. He gave him a second chance. Okay. Wow. Powerful. Did he give that gal a second chance? By the whole lot of them were sinners. And he all he gave him a second chance. Right? Powerful. Well, thank you for helping out in my sermon. Okay? That was great. Now let's turn to Romans 5. Take a look at Romans 5, verses 6 through 10. This is this should render, when you really get this behind your eyeballs. And you really work it up to where you understand what is actually being said. It 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 gets me choked up pretty consistent. Romans in chapter five, beginning there in verse six. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. Notice God is demonstrating this, but how does he demonstrate this love towards us? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Christ. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And that life is given to you through the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit can cause you to love your enemies as God through Jesus Christ loved and loves you. It's possible. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our, our faith. Because that faith, remember, faith working through love. Faith working through love is the new creation standard, is the Christ in me standard, faith working through love. Now, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 16, just very, very quickly, very, very quickly. 1 Timothy and chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, and this is the one that was spoken of earlier. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he has considered me faithful. This is Saul, now Paul. Putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord, which was more than abundant, with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm the foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, the foremost, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his perfect love through patience as an example of those who would believe in him for eternal life. Man, that's powerful. The worst of all worst sinners. And he now is loving those who hate him. Paul, go back and look in the book of Acts. That guy is loving people that hate him. What did he do after he gets stoned and left for dead out of Derby? What did he do? No, I'm not. I'm going to let them die in their sins and go to the lake of fire forever. No, of course he didn't do that. He goes right back in to this. He goes right back in. There's anybody that's not quite sure I'm going to be there for him. And then he goes on to the next city and the next. Wow. And it's an example of Christ. Well, that's a good transition verse. Let's take a look at point number three. 
Love as Christ loved and loves his enemies. Blessed are those who, well, let's go to the book of Romans 12 and see what it says there. Romans 12, let's see what it says. Romans 12, bless those who, what does it say? Verse 14, bless those who, bless those who persecute you. Huh, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Sounds like a Jesus standard, huh? Huh, wow. All right, this is a painful lesson for me. Just a painful lesson. Because I have not loved this way. People outside of Christ, are they my enemy? No, I believe they're held captive by the devil to do his will, and I want to help them out. But are there people that are actively trying to hurt me and destroy me? I suppose there are. There have been. And so, if your enemy is what? Let's keep reading here. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. To anyone. That's, that's across the board. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If your enemy is hungry, what? If your enemy is thirsty, what? Man, I'm telling you what. Think about it in the spiritual realm. Would you just stop for a minute? I don't think he's talking about, completely talking about, physical food and physical water. Think about it for just a minute. The word of God is food for the soul to set the captive free. The water is the Holy Spirit. After the soul has been set free, the Holy Spirit empowers the man or the woman. You see, I think everybody is searching because their life is not complete. They're searching to fill the hole with busyness, with alcohol, with relationships, with busyness, money, with power, with greed, with all of that. They're trying to fill that hole, and the hole is God-shaped, Jesus-shaped. You can't fill that hole with anything of this world. Well, finally... 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Notice, you're supposed to be sacrificing. That's verse, Romans 12, verse 14 through 21. But now look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And then we will, we will finish with just a one or two words of encouragement as a conclusion. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. First of all, uh, this is one of your priorities, brethren, that I urge that entreaties, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. For it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, 
who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Intercession for all. You know what intercession is? Is petitioning God on their behalf. That's what, that's what Jesus was doing on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He was actually making intercession for them. When you come before God as one of his children and you say, God, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you forgive me? It says that Jesus is our advocate, our intercessor with the Father. Here's Jesus being the intercessor for his enemies. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In other words, Father, give them a chance to hear the gospel. And when they hear the gospel and they obey the gospel, are they washed by the blood of Jesus? Are they cleansed of their sins? Are they filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the living water springing up into eternal life? What's the answer? Well, yes. Yes. Now, there's a caveat here. You're saying, oh, you can't make a caveat on God's word. Yes, you can, because remember, we need to be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. As a teacher at Willamette High School, when those students walked into my class, I knew that there were some kids in there that wanted to own the class. And the way they're going to own the class is be little jerks. <laughs> How many of you have ever been in a high school class? And Melissa's really smiling a lot. How many have been in a high school class and there were little jerks in there that it was their mission in life to make life miserable with a teacher and to have them receive all the glory? How many have ever seen that before? Raise your hand. Come on. We've all seen it, right? If I love those kids, I will not let those little jerks who do not like themselves pour that stew poison in my class. God called me to be a teacher and to teach things by which those kids would be empowered for their lives. And so I laid down the six commandments of Compton. And I was brutal in a loving, compassionate, benevolent way. For those of you who might have experienced that in my class, Brian, you understand that, Lars, you understand that yes, there was a there was a standard, and I kept it. It didn't matter whether you were the, the King Jock, the president of the high school, Sally Rally, or the goth that couldn't couldn't you know make it to class consistently. If you didn't follow that, you were going to be brought outside of that room and you were gonna get a lecture. And then you're gonna give a choice. Either come back in and live according to the six commandments of Compton or get down to the the counseling office, I'll write you a note. I always carry a notepad with me, a little pass, hall pass. And I'd always go back in and I'd call them. Hey, I got a visitor from my class. My counselor hated me. Anyway, <laughs> I loved them because they were wonderful. Because they did what I asked them to do pretty consistently. But the point was, is that I needed to do my job. And to love that little jerk, okay, was to help him or her realize that they needed to come under a standard so everybody was blessed. There are men in this audience that serve our community. And you know, the greatest act of love is to give them a wake-up call. You can't do what you're doing. You see, do you understand that's an act of love? How many of you know what tough love is with your children? 
Do you think I joyfully went into our office? Go to the office. You know, when I would say it that way, it was like, oh no, torture chamber. I did that because I loved them. Does the Bible actually say, in the scriptures, very clear, if you do not chastise your children, you hate them, it says. But if you love them, you will discipline them diligently or something like that. Don't have that one quite memorized. I basically executed it well, but I don't have that one particularly memorized, but I did. I know I did it right. Okay, right? Oh, you're stuff you're saying something about that. Here's the key. Is that we talk about love and sacrificing for our enemy. The kids weren't my enemy. But the devil using those jerks to destroy the environment for all those kids? Yes or no? Yeah. He was held captive or she was held captive by the devil to do his will to destroy my ability to live, deliver the message. And so it's important for us to recognize, be as shrewd as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Love your enemies just as Christ also loved them. He stopped those law-minded people, leaders, dead in their tracks. He held them accountable to the word of God. And they, older ones, realized it and walked away. And they had another opportunity to repent or die in their sins and trespasses. Do you see the power of that? That's powerful. That's love. So, brethren, let's think about the, the, the last step in perfection. I know that freaks people out. Or maturity, so you come to the full measure of the standard of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? All right. Let's close in a word of prayer. And next week, the new beginnings. I had to finish up this, this, uh, this uh, series. Okay, here we go. Father, I'm so deeply thankful for the rich blessing of your love. And I'm thankful that even when I was one of those little jerks in the classroom of this world, you loved me enough to call me to account and it was brutal and hard and tough and yet I know you desired my soul. And I am thankful that you were willing to intercede long ago on the cross but you are also willing to intercede through people who were going to call me to account. Praise you and thank you, Father, for your love. Help us to understand this is the love that we need to follow in the footsteps of. Footsteps of. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. What did Jesus say? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right. Let's go live and love like him.